My name is Kyle Willis, and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Welcome back to Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. We are continuing our series on the complete entrepreneur. Uh, this topic is going to be one that can make or break your business. It is not the most sexy topic. It is not the one that people wake up and uh, take uh, take all of the uh, the courses for, but is the most important and the one I'm probably most excited for because uh, as I got in, got to know our guest Adam Rundle. He's made some significant impacts in my business all around the aspect of accounting and finance and how to make sure you position your business to scale effectively and in a smart way. Adam, thank you for being with us today. I think we're going to get in some really good, juicy stuff as we get going here. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I'm super excited to be on, man. I love it. I love it. You know, Adam, so for those who don't know, if you kind of give a little intro of who Adam is, uh, he's the owner of ABR Consulting, their strategic consulting firm for accounting, tax, finance, uh, and they specialize with digital marketers, coaches, and consultants. As a digital marketer running a digital average, uh, marketing agency, you know, I, I've been able to sit down with Adam before and say, All right, bro, here's my business. Here's where I'm at. What are the pitfalls I need to be mindful of? And I think as we get into some of those today, you know, I'll, I'll jump ahead to say Adam is a master of taking the complex and turning it very simple. So that way his clients, when they sit down with him like a virtual CFO, they really actually get a glimpse into the health and wellness of their business. And they're not just looking at some big profit and loss statement or cash flow statement saying, what the hell does this all mean? So Adam, you, you've really taken like, you know, I don't, I, I don't uh, say that the non-sexy part of accounting uh, lightly. It's like you've taken something that most people find boring and you've made it extremely practical and actually exciting because people finally understand what the hell is going on within their business. Yeah, thank you. I, I would say, I would say there's nothing sexy about it. So it's like, it's like you, you're trying to uncover something that you know doesn't exist, but you're trying to make it sexy so people can pay you. Because uh, pe people only buy sexy, man. That's just like the world. Like people want sexy, right? Yeah. And, and I, I thank you for those words, and I think that I think my response is pretty simple. It's like you. It doesn't have to be sexy. No. But it is necessary. You know, yeah. accounting is, is this like thing that people go like, oh, shit, accounting. It's going to do this debits and credits and how do I read this stupid statement and stuff. But the reality is it's like, well, that's the reason you went into business yeah. so that financially you can succeed. Um, and so if you're not going to measure that and you're not going to understand what, what that looks like in your business, then you, you're kind of like digging a hole and putting your head in the sand and being like, <laughs> Um, and that's just not a clever decision to make. And no one, and I, I strongly believe that there's no entrepreneur out there that wakes up in the morning deliberately focused at ruining their business. Yeah. Everyone wakes up in the morning with the 100% goal and desire to succeed. We all yeah. want to do it. So what is our goal? Our goal is to get as much information, resources, help, 
support, knowledge, whatever the word is you want to use or words you want to use as possible so we can make these decisions every single day to advance our businesses forward. And one of those, there's hundreds of them out there, one of those is finances because at the end of the day, you're going to measure the finance and you're like, oh shit, it didn't work. I'm running out of money and now I've got to go back to my nine to five. Or it's going to be like, shit, it's working. That's great. I can grow bigger. I can support more people. I can yeah. grow my vision, grow my brand. And that is, and that's what we want to do. I mean, that's the whole point. So if you're not going to be, if you're not going to be measuring the finances of it, well then, you know, what are you, what's the point? It's like, and I've used this example and I think you would appreciate it. Like, Sport, sport and businesses, there's so many analogies. Sport and anything in the world, you can draw a lot. Not yeah. But it's like, imagine playing a football game and there's no score. Yeah. It's like, kind of, what's the point? Like, imagine you went to the Super Bowl final, but they're like, oh, in six months' time, we'll tell you what the result is. Like, no one's going to go watch it. doesn't make any sense. The whole point is you want to see what the outcome is. Like, that's why you are playing the game. Yeah. In business like you want to see like hey is this freaking working like i don't want to keep doing this thing that i'm doing unless it's working so how do you know whether it's working and one of the most powerful ways to know whether it's working is your finances because they don't lie they tell you they un, you know they're not subjective <laughs> there's no way to fudge that report <laughs> so adam and in, in being able to take that complex being able to get into the foundations of what accounting is you know i always love just by starting off by hearing hearing your story but what what made you wake up one day and say i i love balance statements i love profit and loss i, I love the data and i'm still waiting for a day when i wake up and say that. <laughs> okay good to know good to know you know I, I, I may have told you this before but when i went to the university of washington and got my degree in marketing as part of our requirement we had to take accounting classes uh and i think i ended up taking three or four of them well all my foundational one uh, courses were at 8 a.m. in the morning. I lived off off campus at about an hour, almost an hour away. So I had to take the bus there. And I slept through all my accounting classes. Uh, it was that deal where I just had zero momentum. And it was that attitude of, uh, I ain't, I'm not going into, I'm not going to be an accountant. So therefore, why am I really studying this? Thank God for the group studies to actually help me pass my test. And when I launched my agency, that was the very first thing I outsourced because I said, there's no way in hell I know what the hell, what to do here and how to actually make sure I know if I'm in the green or the red. So thank you for being the person to listen to your teachers <laughs> and professors in those courses. What made you say though, that this is what, this is uh, where I want to begin. This is what I want to launch a business around and I've now built a very successful firm working with clients all over the nation, if not internationally, uh, to really serve them, help scale them. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, like I studied accounting like anyone else, you know, went, I, I'm from South Africa. I'm pretty sure most of the people listening would be like, Hey, that guy's not from around here. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sexy part about you. That's how you mix yeah, accounting sexy. <laughs> Exactly. I just got an accent. People are like, oh, that's pretty cool. It sounds different. Maybe you know. I'll listen to him now. <laughs> so, yeah, I grew up in South Africa. And uh, when I finished high school, went off to college. And college in South Africa is a little bit different. So you can kind of major in something from the, from the start. You don't have to okay. kind of be an undergrad and then go and major anything. And so I just did accounting because it was the thing that I thought was going to be good for me. I don't know. Yeah. Math and I enjoy accounting at school, uh, you know, at high school and stuff. So, um I studied it and, and I graduated as an accountant. And then I made a decision that uh, 
one that I probably shouldn't have made, but I, I made it anyway. I was trying to coach rugby. Like a big, massive goal in my life was to become a professional rugby coach. Yeah. Uh, and so in doing so, I didn't really want to, I didn't want to go into the working world. So I actually didn't want to go into like one of those big four firms and do slave away the next three years of your life as like an intern. Yeah. And so I decided to do my master's in tax uh, <laughs> so that I could have time to continue coaching rugby. Um, and at the end of that process, at the end of that, at the same time, I got a job at a law firm that was kind of part-time, just helping out on the finance side. And a year later, I was basically the financial manager of this law firm, 30 people, and I worked there for four years. And I, for the first time, actually got a sense of like, hey, I've learned all this stuff on this piece of paper, this like debits and credits and all these things that you learn in accounting. Yeah. And for the first time, I actually started realizing how it all works. Hmm. Because now I was sitting in, in a business that's making a ton of money. You've got all these employees trying to do all this stuff. And then I'm getting asked these questions. Okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And I'm like, I know all the theoretical answers because I learned them but they're very different in practice. They're like very different when you're actually doing it. So I went through this experience of like, shit, this is actually pretty cool. Like I actually quite enjoy this, not necessarily the accounting side, but the, the link between the two is like, how do you take accounting and what does it mean for a business owner? How do you communicate this? So I really started yeah. enjoying that. And then my wife and I decided we wanted to do something different after we were married and we moved to the States. We now live in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, and at that time, I started my own accounting firm. I actually had one previously in South Africa for about 18 months before we came. Real estate investments, don't have to get into all that. That's a waste of time. I started this accounting firm and started working with uh, a guy named Dave Rogamosa from Proof Technologies. I don't know if some people listening may know who Proof is. They eventually went to Y Combinator, SaaS company. And through my involvement with him, I had the same kind of experience helping him understand his finances, same on a much smaller scale that I had at the law firm. Yeah. I was yeah. like, hey, this can work. Like, I, I under, I've learned the skill of taking something that's very theoretical and very rule-based and how to communicate that to, other, like, to people in a very yeah. non-rule-based, uh, fundamentalist way, just like yeah. very layman's term. And I really enjoyed that. I'm a coach by nature. I love coaching, so it's all kind of fitted in. And so that started the snowball of me starting this firm and yeah. uh, then got budgetable through that connection and then we built out an entire company firm you know now we do everything we do bookkeeping and taxes and payroll and we do everything on the back end but my job like what i do is i meet with business owners and i help actually use that information like what I is this that. there's a bunch of numbers on a piece of paper so what do i do now and how do we answer those questions because those are the questions that actually matter because the numbers don't mean anything unless you can use them to help grow your business so that's ultimately what i do and that's kind of the journey to where i'm here I love it, man. That's huge. And, you know, I, I, I like that aspect of being able to take what the origin story is and, and uh, being able to take the, the process you've gone through um, and be able to start small, be able to start, you know, you talk about, uh, I think you said his name was Dave from Proof and be able to say, hey, I've validated who I am, what I know in a business, I've made it very practical and now I'm going to scale that. As you've been working with variety of different businesses, but predominantly um, the, the digital side of businesses with marketers, coaches, and consultants, you know, it's one being in that place. I'd love to just hear a little bit of insights of kind of what are the, what are the, usually the, the first challenge, you know, when someone's just starting in their business and they're saying, Hey, I, I, I want to get going. I want to launch my business. What are usually some of the, the pitfalls or, or the, the first things you have to fix when someone comes in and hires you to say, look at my finances, 
how do I make sure I don't go bankrupt? Good question. Um, so I want to answer. The, I want to. I want to answer this. I want to say something a little bit off topic, but to get back to this. Point. Totally. Yeah. Because this is where it starts in my mind. Is what I learned when I when I really dived in. And funny enough, I started with a SaaS company, and now I've. I don't work with any more SaaS companies. I'm not interested in working with SaaS companies. I work purely with digital marketers, agencies, coaches, consultants, course creators, wow. like very, very online service-based business models. Yeah. You know, what I want to say is these are super, super, if not some of the most simple business models, they are up. And I'm not afraid to say this, that it's kind of like a cop-out as an accountant because it's, it's if you're working in like real estate or if you're working in manufacturing you're working in kind of those in those industries accounting is far more complex than yeah. it is and reason because then you're like dealing with inventory and cost of goods sold and you're trying to manufacture something how do you price this thing is it first in first out are you are you valuing assets it's like all the stuff that you actually spend the vast majority of your time at university learning with this accounting world you don't even have to even think about when you're running something as simple as you know online digital marketing agency, or if you're a coach and consultant. And so the first thing I want people to know is that you, you don't understand how simple it is. It literally is mathematics. You, you don't even have to, if anything that you've ever learned about accounting, ever, like anything, forget about it. It's just, okay, it's, just, it's simple. It's money in, money out. You don't have to worry about how you, how you accrue for certain things or how you value assets because you don't have those types of things. All you're doing is you're going to a prospect, you're saying, hey, I can deliver this service for you for $5,000. They say, yes, they pay you, and you just got to make sure that you do render those services for less than $5,000. And if you can do that, you're winning. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now we can put a lot of context around that, and I'm going to give you some of those practical things on how to really make that work. But it's so simple. It's really, really simple. It's money in, money out. Okay? And the, the thing that I want most business owners to know is that if you ever want to be successful as a business owner, you have to accept that there are things like accounting. There are things like project, like team management. There are things like running a business that are fundamental to you actually succeeding. So you can't just run away from them. You can't be like, oh, you know, I don't want to do this stuff. I'm not interested in it. Because that's going to make you a good business owner. If you understand how the finances work in your business, it's going yeah. to make you a better so yeah. If you understand how to manage a team, it's going to make you better. Than, if you understand how to do marketing, it's going to make you better. So now I'm not saying you must do all these things. Sure. I'm not for one second saying you must do the accounting or you must be the CEO and you must do all the marketing. Of course not. But you need to understand them. You need to understand how they work. You need, at least from a high level, you need to understand how they connect together because that's going to make you super successful one day. And so when it comes to the finances, what I want you to take away, if anyone's listening to this, what I want you to take away from this is one, it's so much more simple than you think. Hmm. So forget about all the rubbish that you've learned in the past and take, down, take a piece of paper, put it down, and I'm going to give you a couple of things to write down. And as you write them down, I'm going to show you exactly how to think about your, your business financially. Come on. Yeah. And that is going, that's what you need to do. And yes, you can go get a bookkeeper and we'll talk about that a little bit later, like what you can do to make it happen. Yeah. If you understand that, you are going to be wildly successful more than you could ever imagine because you actually understand the economics. Therefore, you know which buttons to push in order to make it work. That's awesome. So that's the simplicity of it. And so, so if you want to start, if you want to start your business, okay, so now the first thing, I'm starting my business. I don't know what to do. There's only one real thing you need to worry about. It's people paying you money. 
Because if no one pays you money, you don't have a business. I agree. Okay. Yep. So when you're first starting out, forget about forget about your finances. Forget about being an S corp. Forget about forget about any of that shit. Okay. So excuse my name. Just forget about. Okay. Which is welcome. Be real. <laughs> you don't need to worry about that stuff. If you if you're really really worried, create yourself an LLC and just you know be taxed as a sole proprietor for for the first time as you start out your business. The ramifications of that, unless you're going to plan to make more than two thousand dollars in your first year of doing business aren't that significant. Hey, if you're planning on doing that, then you have enough money to go and invest in a lawyer or in a, C- a CPA who's going to help you and identify that. So don't listen to some podcast around what you do. You go pay people who do this, like pay a doctor the money, like pay a person who does this some money to help you do that. But if you like, hey, I don't know, maybe I'm going to make $150,000, $200,000 this year, create yourself in a simple LLC, super simple. You can be flow through entity, be taxable, provider, nothing wrong with that. Okay, and don't worry about S-Corps, don't worry about all that kind of stuff, that's later on. Second thing you need to do is open up a bank account, name it what your business name is, ABCD, you name it ABCD, that's your bank account. And if I can give people one real, the biggest tip of advice when you're starting a business is channel everything through that bank account. Or credit card, you have a business credit card, whatever it is, that's fine, but be separate from your personal. Don't, income, don't mix them too. And I'm going to talk to you really why that's a big thing in a moment, but don't mix them up. Keep them nice and simple. And all you need to do is look at your bank statement every single month in the beginning, and it will tell you if you have got the economics right. Because if you started with $5,000 in your bank account and you ended in two at the end of the month, guess what? Your economics are off. Simple. If you ended with 10, 12, 15, or 20, guess what? Your economics are good, which means you're at least making a profit. Hey, you're ticking a box that not many people out there get to tick. Then we can start adding some details. The the second thing the bank account does is it creates separation between you and your business. Yeah. That I see so many young entrepreneurs, starting out entrepreneurs do, is they they feel like their business is their personal bank account. Sure. Everything, like whatever happens in their business, they just... When their business, when they land a 20K deal, guess what? They're about to buy a new car or not about to do this or about to do that. And they want to spend all this money because it's theirs. And yes, it is theirs because they're the business owner. But you've got to understand that your business is a separate entity. Yeah. It works completely different. It's its own little economy. It works by itself. It's got its own levers that it uses and to pull, to make more money, to make it function. And so if you have a separate bank account, be strict around, hey, keep these things separate That's so it. that you can actually start to manage it. Yeah. And that's the that's the kind of two or three real nuts and bolts. Like as you're starting out, LLC, don't worry about escorts and stuff. Create a separate bank account and do things separately. Be very strict on yourself that that's my business. That's it. And if your business needs money, you take money out of your personal account and you put it into your business yeah. account and then you start functioning. You don't go and just take out your personal credit card and start swiping. Be strict around that. And you have already done more accounting. <laughs> and probably 80% of entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. Because you can literally run a, a statement from your bank account, and that is essentially a profit loss statement. You just put all the pluses at the top, put all the minuses. What we take as those minuses, we just recategorize them when in our world it's a little bit better. Yeah. We have a it's that yeah. simple. Forget about all the other rules out there that just that simple.
Very simple. I love that. That's an extremely practical advice I wish I had when I first started because I was that guy who had everything joint and didn't know that I needed to keep it separate or the benefits of it. And I remember when I first hired uh, an accountant being like, Kyle, you idiot, you can't do it like this. And it helped, you know, not only made a mess for them to clean up, but then realized the, you know, the, the ramifications of what happens when it's all mixed like that. And so I think that's extremely, extremely practical for someone getting started, making sure they do. Let's kind of progress it though. So we've built a good business. We're starting out, we, we're, you know, you talk about, you know, once you start you kind of eclipsing that two, $300,000 and moving to that point where now I'm hiring staff, I'm ready to start scaling to new levels what what's how does someone know uh from from the accountant standpoint from the economic standpoint what they can pay themselves mm -hmm. what they can pay their team and making sure that they're not going to get to a point where they they're bankrupt because that the they're paying more in labor than what they're actually bringing in or what they're you know being able to bring themselves a paycheck yeah, so it's a, that's a really good question as well. So if you, um, you know, when you start getting to that point where you're making more than 20, 25, 30K a month in revenue, you now, you're, you're bordering on the concept of be building a business, okay? Before that, you're kind of like a glorified freelancer. You're kind of just like a one-man show, which is fine that everyone starts that way. But as you start getting to that point, you're like, okay, I can't do all the work. I need to maybe start outsourcing. That's the spec. Hey, I'm building a business. I'm not just running something like I'm just not running on a treadmill anymore. And so to answer those questions for you, the first one I want to talk about is taxes because it's the one that everyone gets stumped on because everyone has to pay taxes. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're yeah. going to pay the IRS. Or okay. So when you're getting to that range, the simple thing to do with your taxes is get hold of a CPA who deals with the digital world, who understands how your business yeah. works. Don't yeah. just walk down the road to HR Block, whatever they're called, to some guy who helps like the hairdresser and some guy who helps a manufacturing firm. It's not going to be enough for you, okay? Yeah. There's enough people out there to help you get your outcome that you need. Go find people who understand this world and sit down and have a real conversation with them. And you say, this is where I'm at. This is what's happening. He has all my statements if you haven't done the bookkeeping and I'll tell you how to do the bookkeeping so you can probably do that go there. That's what it is. This is where I want to get to. This is my goals, my dreams, and my aspirations. And let them guide you from a tax perspective hmm. because there are so many things you can do. Every yeah. state's a little bit different. Everyone's outcomes are a little bit different. I'm a very risk-averse human being. So I like, I'm comfortable with uh, retirement uh, investing. Like I'm comfortable with that. That, that makes sense to me. Some people are like, that's absolutely rubbish. Are you wasting your money? You should be putting in real estate. You should be putting in the stock market. You should be doing nothing. There's no right or wrong answer. There's yeah. whatever fits you. And get that support from a CPA who's going to be like, okay, if that's your goal, that's what you want to do, this is the best tax structure for you to be in. Yeah. You should be an escort or you should be a sole prompt or whatever those things could be. That's what you should do. And then you follow the advice and you carry on. At that point, you have that kind of money to invest in. It's going to cost you maybe a thousand bucks, maybe a little bit more. You should have the money to invest in it because you are now generating a decent income. Yeah. That's a tax piece. From the, the accounting piece, and then I said earlier, I said, take out a piece of paper and you're going to write down literally, I don't know, like seven words. I'm trying to think about it. No, I'm actually going to make it easier. I'm going to, you're going to write down five words on a piece of paper. Okay. And if you write down these five words right now, you have basic, you are, ba that's the count. This is all you need to know yeah. in your business. So the first word you're going to write down is revenue. 
at the top, you're gonna write down revenue, pretty simple. And you're gonna, next to it, you're gonna write 100%. Okay, so you write down revenue, and then right next to it, 100%. The next thing you're gonna write down is ads, or advertising, or marketing, whatever the, the name you wanna give it. We call yeah. it in our bookkeeping process, advertising and marketing, but you can write down ads. And the next word you're gonna write down is labor underneath it, okay? The next word underneath the labor you're gonna write down is overheads, okay? And then the last word you're gonna write down is pre-tax profits, okay? So that's the five words you've done. You've revenue, ads, labor, overheads, and then underneath that, pre-tax profits. Yeah. That is a profit and loss statement right there. Okay. That's all it is, that's, it's right there. That's Super the simple. whole thing yep. of a profit and loss statement. We now take your statement. This is what you do is this is this is bookkeeping 101. You take now your statement, you take your bank transactions, and you take all the little things and you just reorganize them into these categories. Yeah. Back out of you and said, like, hey, that's how your business is functioning. Now, yes, underneath them, when if, you, if we were doing your bookkeeping or if anyone reasonable was doing it, there'll be a bunch of sub accounts like merchant processing fees or rent or all the little things that make up some of these higher categories. Sure. In the beginning, don't even watch, who cares? Just focus <laughs> on these ones for now. Because if you get yeah. these right, you're 95% of the way there. And now we just do math. Now, now this is like the, the fifth grade math thing we do. <laughs> so what we do is, I'm, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna do it this way, okay? So uh, next to ads, you're gonna write down 15%. Next to labor, you're gonna write down 40%. Next to overheads, you're gonna write down 15%. And therefore, the simple math, okay, if you go the 100 minus the 15 minus the 40 minus the 15 simply equals 30% at pre-tax profits. Yeah, yeah. And we have a concept called the perfect PL, which is like a high-level view of like how do you create a business that functions effectively? And that is the perfect PL. Perfect PL simply means perfect profit and loss statement. There it is. So now you're building this business and you go, okay, I I want to know whether I'm succeeding. I want to know whether, hey, is this working? Or man, I look at my bank account and every month it goes up a little bit, which is great. But is that enough? Is it good enough? Is it, you know, what's working? Yeah. Those questions when you're getting to that 30, 40K, because now you you realize you can generate revenue. You've realized, hey, I've got this thing that I can push buttons in with Facebook ads or organic or cold emails, whatever you're doing on the marketing side, you've generated some form of a system that's got people to pay you money. Great. Now you're going to keep doing that. It doesn't stop. That train keeps going. Now you're starting to ask questions like, hey, is this working? Yep. And I hire people. Yep. Which money do I have? Okay. And how you answer those questions is what you've just written down on a piece of paper. Yeah. Because that is the way it should look. At least pretty close to that. Got it. I love all that. you do is you take all the advertising expenses on your statement and you put it into that category called advertising. Take all the ones for labor, whether it's your own salary, I'll talk about that in a moment. Other people, you put it into labor. You take everything that's overhead, your rent, merchant processing fees, training and education, meals, travel, whatever it is, put it in overheads and work it out. Yeah. Do it. Okay, yeah. I made 20K and this is five and that's 10 and that's five. Work out the percentages and go, okay, man, mine are like 100, 20, 65, 20, sure, minus 5% profitability. Hey, that's not very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, and guess what? In doing so, you've just figured out where you're over and where you're under because yeah. I just showed you what you should do. Yeah, absolutely. So that's step one. And then what the, the only complexity that happens with this, because now we want to answer questions. Like this is just a view. Now we want to actually answer questions. Yeah. So your question was, how much can I pay people? Well, 
if you're if you want to get to the perfect PL, you don't want to pay people more than 40% of your revenue. Yeah. You don't want to be doing that. Now the complexity here does some complexity does creep in. And and I've done some trainings on this. So if you are really interested in listening to this, you may want to just go look at some of the more in-depth trainings because it kind of breaks it down a little bit okay. further. So I'm gonna do it as quick as I can. Is the ratio between ads and labor is the engine of a, of a business. Hmm. Okay. Business, how does a business work? Well, it, you get people to pay you money, advertising, and then you deliver what you pay, they paid for, and that's labor. That's a business. Okay. Especially the businesses we're talking about. Like I said, we're not doing manufacturing or SaaS or anything like that. We're talking about these, you know, digital marketing agencies, coaches, and consultants. Yep. Yep. That's your engine. Overheads are just the things that lag behind. Like I need a roof, I need rent, I need things. You're never going to go and spend more money in software to make more revenue. Sure. It's, it's not a leverage point, okay? So that's just always going to hover around that 15% and we're happy that it's there. But how much we spend on ads and how much we spend on labor is what's going to drive our business. So those are the two, the two areas where the ratios can start to change. If you are a very strict done for you type business model, you're a digital marketing agency, that means your um, MRR is only pretty high, your lifetime value of clients is pretty high because they're paying you every single month consistently. What we find is the ratio for ads to labor could be something like 10% on advertising and 45% on labor. Okay. The sum of which is still that 50, 55%, which I gave you earlier, which yep. is a 15 and 40. Yeah. But if you're like a course creator, we could realize like, oh, hey, well, our lifetime value of clients actually not that high because, you know, they're coming in, they're taking the course and they're leaving. Yep. I don't need a lot of labor to render this thing. So you people could have 30% on advertising, 35% sometimes on advertising, and then the balance of that 20 or 25% is on labor. Mm-hmm. And that ratio is just dependent on what type of business model you use. So if you want more information on that, Again, watch those videos. You can get a bit more in, like detail there. Totally. But that fifteen forty is probably like a good average. You're in the digital marketing world, digital digital world. That fifteen to forty percent is probably a good average of where you are. You may be a little bit up or about depending on your model. So now I want to work out if I can afford to pay people. Yeah. So simple. How yeah. much money did you make last month? Oh, I made thirty thousand dollars. Okay. What's forty percent of thirty thousand dollars? Let me just do the math quickly. Right, right here. Yeah. Let's just give you people practical stuff. Okay. If, if I take 30 K and I say, what's 40% of it, $12,000. I have $12,000 my budget to pay for labor. Okay, great. Now I know how much I can pay for labor. Yeah. The only thing that adds to this is that that should include how much you pay yourself. Good to know. Good to know. Okay. Okay. Everyone thinks like, Oh man, I've got 50% profit margins. I'm doing amazing. Oh, how much do you pay yourself? Oh, I pay myself X amount. Oh, well, if you actually factor it in, your profit margins are 5%. So actually, they're not very yeah. Okay? And people, I'll get confused by that, but it's, I'll explain it to you very simply. You, there's no ways you can measure the efficiency of something unless you include everything that is used to make it efficient. Yeah. You, as a business owner, are probably the most fundamental part of your business. Yeah. So you have to factor in what you're doing. You have to. If you don't, you're just being silly. Yep. So whether you're paying yourself out the money or not, there's no point assuming or thinking your business is running at a 30% profit margin when actually if we factor in you earning a decent salary is running at a 5% profit margin because no one yeah. wants to scale a 5% profit margin business. Yeah. It's not worth it. Go build something that's going to give you a 30% return and go scale that. Yeah. That's far more worth it. That's yeah. far more worth your time. 
So out of that 12K in our example should count how much you're paying yourself every single month, a nice fixed amount, so you can create some consistency in your business, as well as what you can afford to pay other people. Okay, so okay. Scales. Hey, I'm get to 50K. Okay, what's 50K at 40%? That is, I've got $20,000 to spend. Yeah. Okay, cool. So now I've got a bit more of a buffer. Maybe I'm doing more work so I can up my own salary. Or, hey, it's about time I hire a VA or I hire an ads manager or I hire a project manager, whatever it is, you now have a budget to work with. And it's that simple. Absolutely. Debits or credits. It's just take these simple math, grade five math, bunch of percentages, put them in your business, and you'll create a roadmap so that you know where to go. I love what you're saying here because, you know, we joke around in the beginning that, you know, accounting is not sexy, but the reality is that what makes or breaks a business. And as, as much as it's numbers and percentages, uh, the aspect of how simple you made that uh, and how critical that is, uh, is monumental. And I, I, you know, I look at that very similar to health and fitness within the body. One of the guests of our, our series in, in this, um, in, in this, uh, complete entrepreneur series jason priest is one of uh, our fitness guys and he talks about uh, health and fitness within the body and very similar to like it is with what's uh, accounting and what's coming in versus what's going out that whole aspect of how you treat your body and its percentages you know you can get into the ma uh, macros and all the counting of your health and fitness and it's very similar for the health and fitness of your of your business that you all right you want to be able to eat that pint of ice cream you got to understand the calories that go into it and how they're going to burn off you want to go hire that ads guy and he's going to be three thousand dollars a month then you need to know where you're going to have uh, where you're going to cover that three thousand dollars out of your 40 percent labor and if that means that the, you know the levers change great no problem at all but let's look at these percentages to make sure you fit within the plan now let me ask you this question uh, related to what you broke down because you made it very simple when you look at our, our perfect p l uh, seeing revenue as 100 percent advertising and marketing at 15 percent labor at 40 percent and overhead at 15 percent what is your insight? What is your reasoning for saying that our pre-tax profit should be 30%? Why not 20% and put more into ads? Why not 40% and pay, my, and pay myself a little less? Why do you land on 30%? Such a good question. Okay, so the, the big thing is it is pre-tax profits. Yeah. Okay, so remember we're going to factor in some taxes on top of it. Okay, so if you understand the tax world and you understand, you know, everyone's a little bit different, you know, you could use about a 33% tax rate is something that's pretty reasonable to use. To say 30% tax rate is pretty reasonable to use. In this case, that's going to knock a further 10% off the bottom line because you only get taxed on your profits. Yeah. So you take that 100%, all those profits that you made, you multiply that by 30%, you're only going to have 70% left. And so if you do the math simply, that's about another 10% off that number, which means your net profits or after taxes is probably around 20%. Okay. So one, it's a little bit inflated. Like people say 30%, that's a really good number. I can tell you now the highest, uh, the highest profit margin, uh, like pre-tax profit margin on the, the New York Stock Exchange last year was like 23%, I think it was. Okay, so 30% is high. Okay, you own a small business, which means your margin should be a lot higher because you're taking more risk. Therefore, you should, you should be getting more return than some of these big corporates. Let's not get into that economical world. But sure. um, so 30% is a good, healthy number. The second thing, so the one is because of taxes, so that's going to be factored in, so it's going to lower that. Yep. The second thing is the healthiest thing for a small business 
is cash. Mm. The healthiest thing for small business. They say the vast majority of small businesses fail because of cash flow. And I believe them. And I, when I say them, whoever they're out there, people that take all these services. Yeah, yeah. And the reason is because, because when you're a small business, it's like being a small boat in the ocean. When waves come, they affect the small boat way before they affect the big boat. Yeah. Okay. Because you're small, you're just small. So having a, a tax, an unforeseen tax bill of $15,000 could fundamentally cripple your business. Sure. It may ever succeed, but that's not going to cripple the big business. And so having a tax, having cash on hand, having a healthy cash base is your insurance policy. It is your mechanism that you use to protect yourself from those volatilities. Yeah. And all the risk taking in your business. So the higher your pre-tax profit margins are, the quicker we're going to grow cash flow. Okay. The quicker we can grow cash flow, the quicker we can reinvest into our business without jeopardizing the safety net that we need in order to survive. So mm-hmm. yes, longer term. When I when I when I when I in our business, the businesses that we work with that are making three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars a month, that are you know eight, ten million dollars a year, they're averaging profit margins, pre-tax profit margins of close to twenty percent. Sometimes less, sometimes 15 to 20%. Sure. Why? Because as you scale, it becomes harder to enjoy those margins. Sure. And secondly, they, they don't run, they built the cash flow base so they can be far more aggressive in reinvesting in their business. I love that. Without the fear of being out on the, their protection mechanism. So when you're starting out, I would say to you, and, and pe- people would argue with me on this, people would have a different view, and, and I, I don't say they're wrong. You know, uh, um, Jeff Bezos is like well known for saying that you know profit margins mean nothing. You know, you just for his whole world was all about taking market share. He's yeah. like, I don't care how much money um, Amazon made in the beginning. I just, I just want to take over market share. That's like, yes, that's an amazing argument, but that's freaking Amazon. <laughs> like, come on, like, like yeah. there's a whole different world out there. Like, yeah. he was trying to take over a world that. That I, maybe if you're trying to take over that world, then great, go take over that world. Sure. sure. You're a digital marketer, coach or consultant, you're trying to create a business that's sustainable for you to run and enjoy your life. Cash is so important. And so I would recommend that you run as lean as possible upfront. Rather work that 60, 70 hour week, be mm-hmm. really lean upfront, have really good profit margins, build, build a cash base, and then you can yeah. then be more aggressive and like, hey, let's invest more in ads. Let's yeah. invest in our team to make it more sustainable, to grow quicker and to grow things. But it's just, it's so much harder to do that when you don't have money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey man, I think I found the new, my new offer. This is it. This is everything I want. I think what the ads campaign, I think what all. Okay, I need 10K to invest in. Well, I've only got a thousand dollars in my bank. Yeah. Oh, well, shit, now I can't do it. Okay, and that stifles small businesses all the time is they just don't have the ability yeah. to grow at the rate that they could be growing at because they don't have money. So when you start out, focus on generating as much cash flow as you can so that you don't run into those problems later. So for us listening now, and you know, maybe in that point where we're saying, hey, that is so key. I agree with your reasoning. I'm 100% behind you, but I'm already behind the eight ball. 
I don't have $10,000 in the bank, but I have a new idea I want to run with. And I think that this will be huge for my business. You ever, what is your view on taking a small business loan in order to fund that next idea or something like that to, to build up those cash reserves and take that, that next step? Is that ever worthwhile or is that you know, shooting a hole in the plane before you go down? You know, small business loans, whether it's leveraging credit card debt or small business loans or taking out loans from family or uh, whatever they are, are incredible mechanisms to growth. They are hugely powerful. And I would never ever, and I would be a fool if I ever said that you should avoid those like the plague. Okay. But the answer that I have to give is you cannot make that decision if you don't have full clarity Hmm. on what's actually going on. Because you don't want, trust me, you don't want to take out a $10,000 small business loan if the business you've built is running at a $2,500 a month loss. Hmm. Because now not only do you not have the ability to pay that back anyway because you're just running at a loss, now you're hoping that something else is going to work to pay that back. That's maybe not such a clever idea. And I'm just using a stupid example off the top of my head. Sure. You just cannot make those types of decisions unless you have clarity. Yeah. So, hey, I met lots of other people that we've worked with, companies we've worked with, you leverage debt in great ways, take out small business loans. There's nothing wrong with it in the world. But the question that you have to ask is, do I have all the information on hand? Do I know what's actually happening? What is my current business doing? What does my P&L look like? Because if your, if your P&L is so fundamentally broken, that, that thing that I've given, that showed you to do, if that's so fundamentally broken, adding more debt and more money is not going to solve it. Yep, so to solve it, it's like, hey, I've got to cut out all those stupid overheads I'm doing. I've got to cut out those team members that I'm not using. I've got to find ads that actually convert. I've got to find platforms that convert. That doesn't require more money. That requires yeah. saving, requires cutting yeah. expenses. But if you're in that position and you're like, hey, I'm running lean. My business is looking good. I'm happy with where I'm at, but I do need extra cash to accelerate this. By all means, go for it because it's a good decision as long as you understand the ramifications, understand where you're at. Yeah, It's all about clarity. You can't just go like, oh, I hope, I hope it's going to work. Hope and wish. And then if it yeah. doesn't work because then you're in more trouble. So Adam, let me bring this home. You, you know, you brought up, I love, I love the word you just spoke there about the whole aspect of if and when you should take a loan that, or take a, you know, be able to scale your business, take that next step in your journey, the importance of clarity. And as I think about the complete entrepreneur, uh, the reality, you know, I say in every, every episode we have in the series is that the reality, there's not one person who can do it all. Uh, from all the variety of topics that we've covered in this series, if, you know, if, if the listeners are someone like me, where they slept through their accounting classes, they don't know much what's going on with their business except for having someone that could speak to them and tell them what their, their profit and loss statement is and provide that clarity. Where should someone go about, you know, first off, like, that's the question I should ask is how should someone know when they should hire this out, when they can afford to hire this out. Um, and let me kind of put it in three parts. When they should hire it, uh, um, when, they, when they should, uh, or sorry, when they need to hire it out uh, how, and related to that, how they know they can afford it. And then how to, um, I, I know from our relationship, you have some 
personal feelings about some of the platforms out there like bench.co that aren't as beneficial, especially in the digital marketing space for accounting. So I would love your, you know, if they, if they add that tangent, not to throw anyone under the bus who are using those people. It's, I, I use them for a day um, of, of uh, what is your personal feelings about why you should avoid those type of platforms and better yet invest in someone who'd be more like a virtual CFO for you. Long question. Take it in parts. No, no, I got it all. Um, so when, um, so if you're, if you're starting out business, um, the when is kind of immediate because this is the fundamentals of running a business. So the when is like, there's no, I wouldn't say there's a definite time of okay. when. Well, actually I'm, I'm going to qualify that, that answer when you should hire it out is maybe different, but when you should be focusing on it is from day one. Like you've okay. got to understand because it's, it's like me and I coach rugby and it's me, you know, trying to coach rugby without understanding how the game works. <laughs> yeah. It's not work. Okay. So I've got to understand how the game works. Yeah. When you want to start hiring it out. I would say when you, when you, when you surpass the 15 to 20 K a month mark, you should be starting to say to yourself, Hey, there's a far better usage of my time is not spending not trying to do this accounting piece. Yeah. Up until then, if you did everything I told you to do and you have a separate bank account, you're literally taking a bank account statement, you're opening it up, you're looking at it, you're organizing things in a couple of different categories and you're doing a pretty good job of it. So you could very easily do that yourself. And I kind of encourage people in the beginning to do that themselves because there's such a massive learning curve there. And yeah. like, oh, we want to. But there's such a huge learning curve to like actually see it. When you get to that fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 a month mark, so you, you know, you, over that 150 a year mark, okay? Yeah. Kind of like you're beyond just being a glorified freelancer. You would probably want to start looking to outsource it. And there are many op options out there that, you know, talk about the platforms. We can talk about that now. But you can pay, you know, two, three, four hundred bucks a month for someone to do bookkeeping for you to, yeah. to help you actually do this piece so that you can get the clarity you need so you can actually start making decisions. And so the affordability is we use this range of like two to four percent of revenue is that kind of the range we use when we're talking to people about like how much you should be paying for this financial piece. Okay. So I'll give, give you the math. You're making 20 K a month in revenue. You should be spending about three to $600 on, on accounting. Okay. Now you take, they say $600, your time's up by 12. That's seven and a half thousand dollars a year. That's a lot of money. You think, well, that's a lot of money. Yes, that's to file your taxes. That's to do everything. So if you could find someone who could do bookkeeping, accounting, and file your taxes for, for 500 bucks, great. That's like 500 bucks a month. That's exactly what you need because that's going to really give you the outcome. Yeah. Okay? And that's pretty much so the lowest end offer that you're going to get out of someone who's going to do all of that. Or you're going to go to like someone who's going to pay 100, 200 bucks to do bookkeeping then you're going to take it at the end of the year, give it to a CPA. They're going to charge you $1,000, $1,500 to kind of do all the accounting work and to file your taxes. If you do all the math on that, it's around that 2 to 3 2 3 4% sure. of your rate. We've sure. done the math a million times. Use that as a guideline. Okay? And so as you scale, you can start having more money to invest. Yeah. And as you scale, you want to invest in more high-level things because now maybe you need to run a payroll you need to have your accounts done every week, not every month. You maybe want to meet with a CFO person to help you understand your finances. And as you scale, you're going to start taking more of that 2 to 3% and investing that into not just bookkeeping, but into maybe a payroll service, to accounting, to someone to help you with your taxes more detailed, for someone to help you with CFO work. I would encourage you all to continue to invest in that, provided it's a good return. Yeah. You bring home good. Yeah. Because you're probably going to pay it anyway. 
Yeah. I've seen this. At the end of the day, if you're not paying anything for taxes, you're probably going to pay 2 to 3% because you're going to waste that either on taxes because you're overpaying on your taxes because you've been silly yeah. or lack of clarity, which means stupid decisions you make. There's no point in October realizing that you've had, you know, Kajabi as a software for 10 months and you haven't used it because that's going <laughs> to cost you 2000 bucks. Like that could have saved you a whole bunch of money right there. Okay? Yeah. So the affordability is around that 2 to 3 to 4%. And I would say, you know, 1500 2000 uh, $15,000 to $20,000 a month, you should be looking to outsource it. And then that will, you know, when you're getting 40, 50, you should be looking to outsource it to a bigger Love firm. It. So that's going to give you more. Then some of the platforms, you know, people think, okay, I can go to Bench and I can get Bench to do it for me for like 250 bucks a month. The only reason I would, would not encourage people to use that type of platform is because that platform is built for mass and it's not built for your business. Got it, Bench, got it does really good work and they're, they're great at what they do, but they are built to just service anyone and they take all the information, they plug it into their system, they spit it out in their report and yep. they send it to you. If you are an accountant and if you understand finances and you understand all the leverage points and you are very well versed in this, that's a great investment of your money because okay. hey, you're going to get it done. It's going to be done properly. It's going to be reconciled. It's going to be great. Then you're going to get it. Then you're going to do your piece to use it. Got it. If you can't do your piece to use it, don't use Bench because they're not going to give you something you can use. You've got to use someone or something that's more geared at your business that's going to give you something that you can actually use. I love that. I would recommend everyone uses the perfect PL model. If you've read books like uh, most people have read um, Profit First, okay? No. Profit First. The perfect PL was born out of Profit First. Okay. If you think about, if you've ever read Profit First, it's a very, it's an amazing book. Mike has written an amazing book about how to think about money. The only problem I have with Profit First is it's not practical enough. Okay. It's very, very it makes a lot of sense. It's very theoretical. It makes a lot of sense at the top level, but it just lacks a bit of the practical. Yeah. I then read a book called Simple Numbers, Big Profits from Greg Crabtree. Super practical. It's actually so practical that if you're not an accountant, you're not going to, you're going to struggle to read it because it's so nuanced. <laughs> I realize that there's a middle world and that middle world is what we call the perfect PNL. It's taking this high level view of Michael, of Mike McCallowitz, adding it to Greg Crabtree's very deep and we, we came up with profit first. I, I would that. recommend any business owner in this world to use that model because it is going to give you complete clarity on what you're trying to do. And it shows you the leverage points that you can use in order to grow your business. And so don't use people like bench if you don't understand the finances piece. That's good. That's good. Someone who's going to put it into a system that's going to help you really understand it. So Adam, and in, in kind of just um, wrapping up here then, when, when I think it's really helpful because I think that was my deal. If I see the price tag, I'm like, oh, I can afford 250 bucks. That's great. I'll get it done. Mm -hmm. um, and, but still, you know, I remember being in that place of like, oh, I just got my ox for them. And I don't have a clue what this is really saying. Is my business healthy? Is it sick? I don't know. I just see the number and is it green or red? Um, but when people, you know, as our listeners are here today saying, okay, I may be in that place. I, I need some clarity. I need to know where I'm at. I want to know more about this profit, uh, perfect uh, P&L. What's the best way for them to connect with you, learn more about ABR, uh, and see where this uh, where, how they can get this clarity you speak of? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that, uh, Carl. Um, you know, we live in the world, and if I'm going to appeal to the digital marketing agencies of the world and the course creators and coaches, just – 
Facebook, man. Just hit, hit me up on Facebook. Just you go on Facebook, Adam Rundle on Facebook's pretty simple. Uh, you'll probably see pretty quickly from my profile that I'm an accountant because there's a lot of finance stuff there. Yeah. LinkedIn, Adam Rundle on LinkedIn. It's normally the best way. Uh, we have websites, you know, abrsa.com and the pnl.com and stuff like that. But you can kind of get lost in those websites because, you know, they're essentially a funnel and, you know, it's, every website's a funnel and trying to get people to buy stuff. So sure. uh, we're not, you know, if you, want, if you want to buy my stuff, shut up and go to my funnels, I guess. But uh, if you just want to connect and see a little bit about who we are and maybe get some of these trainings, some of these videos, they're all on my page or they're all somewhere around there. So on Facebook's the best way to do it. Um, and just reach out, man. Just send us a message and, Say like, hey, Adam, you know, I'd love to chat to you. This is what's happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll ask you some information and get you on a call with myself or someone in our team. And we'll be like, hey, is this, could, could we help you? Couldn't we help you? You know, I don't know if we can help. We, I'm not saying we can help everyone. We're not trying to help everyone. Sure, sure. But, you know, let's have a conversation like normal human beings and let's uh, figure out if we can help you. I think that's one of the things I've loved in the relationship we've developed is that you offer so much value and, and I'm a little tired of that buzzword, but I think you do it from a, from a real perspective of from the trainings you provide, the courses you offer so much that you just give away and that so much you just be able to provide that insight. I know you have a podcast as well that you do a lot of trainings through uh, and then do a lot of live videos to walk through. So I think those who are saying, all right, I want, I want some clarity. I may not be, I may not, I may not be sure where, if I'm ready to hire this out or not. Encourage you connect with Adam. We'll put this Facebook link and his website link on our show notes on our website. So that way you can reach out, get to know him. Uh, and I think you'll be impressed. I mean, you've already, I heard a lot from him today. You hear that sexy accounting voice he has for you. Uh, there's a lot that I think. Uh, the South African accent is now the accounting voice. We're going to turn the entire South African population into the six accounting ways. Hey man, you're talking to a marketer. I'm going to find my spin for you. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I'll, I'll brand you as the sexy accountant. Um, so I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being with us today. I think, you know, digging into the perfect P&L, understanding how to know what's coming in versus what's going out. Absolutely practical. And um, we'll have that, that, uh, outline in our show notes, mfrrpodcast.com. Adam, it's been a real privilege having you with us today. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Carl. And uh, everyone listening, go and crush it, man. It's got both the best businesses that's ever existed, man. Thanks, Carl. I love Absolutely. Show. Love it. Thank you. Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. If you heard something today that you would like to follow up on and be able to connect with us, connect with our guest, we will have their contact information as well as any links to resources they talked about from Facebook groups, their website, any type of offers that they gave on our website at mfrrpodcast.com. Once again, that is mfrrpodcast.com. Join us there. I'd love to keep the conversation going, and you'll be able to get all of our show notes as well as links that the guests spoke about, so that way we can really serve you. Really do appreciate you spending time with us today in this episode. Hope you have a great rest of your day.